The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Uh, Commander? What is it, Lieutenant? Can't you see that farm boy is our last hope against the Death Star? Uh, that's the thing, sir. He's, uh, he's turned off his targeting computer. I have a bad feeling there's not going to be enough time for the Dark Times podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite radio comms receiver. And I'm Steven, your favorite tactical coordinator. And tactically coordinate you do, Steven. Uh, we have some feedback from last week. <laughs> Thank you, Sam, for, for recognizing it. I don't get nearly yeah. enough compliments on my tactical coordination. I mean, you can only get so many, uh, what are they called in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> purple hearts. <laughs> They're not called purple hearts there. But <laughs> oh, um, medals, medals of Honor? Medals of Honor, Lights of Alderaan. Lights of Alderaan, that's one of them. I know that much. Pretty good. I've been on the, trust me, I've been on the Wikipedia page for in-universe accolades quite recently. What is the one that they give Luke and Han called? <sighs> they have a name for that? Is that a Light of Alderaan? No, it's not. I, it's like, it's... <laughs> it's a Medal of Fuck Shit. <laughs> no, it's, it's literally like Medal of Honor or some shit. Um, oh, boo. Uh, hold on, we're, we're finding the out. The sequel's way better. <laughs> it's just like a disc on a... <laughs> On a necklace. Hold on. We're going to find out. Oh, medals of bravery. Medals of bravery. Okay. Fucking, if I was Chewbacca, I wouldn't be so upset about it. Honestly, they don't sound that bad. <laughs> they don't sound really worth a damn. No, no, no. They finally got <laughs> Chewbacca one at like the 1999 uh, MTV Music Awards or something. You remember that? Do they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they brought out a guy <laughs> dressed up as Chewbacca. I don't think it was Peter <laughs> Mayhew, though it very well could have been. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and then they gave him one again in the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> God, that's not no, that's not fair. Now we need to go back and give Luke and Han one posthumously. <laughs> the, how fucking sad would that be if they were like, yeah, one more Star Wars thing, and it's just <laughs> it's Chewbacca giving medals to Leia, Han, and Luke posthumously. <laughs> God, that's that's some, like that's sad. It was ninety seven, ninety seven. Okay. I'm glad we got the MTV Music Awards year right. That's the, I, if there's one thing on this podcast we're known for, it's our it's our accuracy. It's our scrupulous attention to detail. <laughs> Let's get into some feedback. We have some feedback from last week, Stephen. From Little Literalist, he says, uh, this is quoted from the core rulebook, a hit always deals at least one point of damage, even if penalties to damage bring the damage b- result below one. I say that five times fast. Fuck. So that beast, the footnote, will do at least one damage. See, I was right. I had a feeling. Yeah, you were right, Stephen. Oh, right. you want to hear? Here, you want to get a clean cut of that? You were right, Stephen. Are you happy now? It's my ringtone now. Yeah. <laughs> but if someone has DR, then they're basically immune to that and to the poison. Okay. So the the footnote can deal one damage at all times, and sometimes uh, two or three, I guess. I newt it. Well, even still, I think my point still stands about it being 1d3 minus 3. Like, it's still going to deal just one damage. There's no point of having the d3 there. <laughs> You're quite newt critical tonight. Listen. To newt. I'm a newt ally. <laughs> to newt? Fuck you. <laughs> we have you also another heard from, it's my turn! Okay. <laughs> we also heard from, you bet I'm interested on Reddit. Brewery guy checking in, just received your guys' t-shirt from Patreon and wore it to work that day. Appreciate you guys keeping the dream alive. 
Thank you so much, brewery guy. We we, we I really... like how he, he's. We've never mentioned his username at all in the show, and now he's just brewery guy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I definitely did not know his username until until now. <laughs> Stephen, what did we do? What did you do this weekend? Do you have a nice weekend? I did, Sam, and I had such a nice weekend because it was chock full of Swissy. We both, you and I, played a lot of Swissy tonight. I had a cornucopia on the cob. Of Swiss a lot of Swiss this, this weekend. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Said tonight. Well, tell us about this the saga edition we ran, we had fun with this weekend, Steven. So, Jesus. All right, all right. Why don't you can you go off my case just a little bit here? All right. We gotta stop recording these things when you're hungover, I guess. Is the- I'm not hungover. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a it's called a uh, it's called a You lo- gotta end with brewery guy? Is that what I'm hearing? Is there a secret am I being left out of the uh equation here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So we woke up early our time on Saturday morning to enjoy a one shot hosted by none other than the Lil Litterlist. And we were joined by a few others on the Swissy Discord server. I believe that was Zloy Krolik, American Psycho. Oh, Tistus was there. Tistus. Of, of, uh, of Saga Forge fame. Lil Litterlist ran Roundup on Salish, which honestly ended up being a really, really good time. He adjusted a few of the encounters. I think he adjusted all the encounters just to make them more fun. Um, and fun they were. It was a well-ran game, and that was actually my first time like playing a RPG online with strangers. And uh, I was in like one- an LFG, like yeah, know, you yeah. buy a ticket, you get pulled in the raffle. <laughs> they abduct you in the night, and then they put you in front. Of, they rip the bag off your head, and you're in front of a table of other hooded individuals playing Saga Edition, <laughs> which is how we everyone starts, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was a blast. Um, we <sighs> let's just talk about the basics. It was a uh, it was a level six adventure mm. and it was about, you know, getting captured by the empire and then trying to, uh, yeah. A local leader organizes this like, Hey, if you're a rebel, come on down to this barn and, uh, we'll meet and we'll talk about it. And naturally this was an ISB agent in disguise. Um, Steven, it was an abandoned barn. <laughs> <laughs> right. Of course. Um, Here's what just went through my head. Sam, I can't believe you interrupted my train of thought when it's this fucking fragile with the most unfunny thing I've ever heard. And then it hit me how unfunny it was. And then I laughed because it was so unfunny that it was funny. That was the point. Yeah, you you did it. You staggered me for no point, except that it was so bad that it was kind of funny. Oh, is this the moment the the show ends? Yeah, we're done. Nine and a half minutes in episode 70. This is where we made it. And then, you know, uh, antics ensue. And by antics, I mean, you know, a bunch of stormtroopers come in and just just start blasting like crazy. I had an interesting moment in the first part of the encounter where uh, there was this door and, and you know, Stephen, the GM, was was very clear with everyone <laughs> that, hey, there's a bunch of stormtroopers on the other side of this door. You could kind of see them. By the way, they're all readying actions. He didn't say what actions they're readying, but I, th- I think a, a, a small monkey could could deduce what actions they were readying. So I was thinking out, I was being a great player and I was thinking out my next turn while everyone else was taking theirs. I was like, okay, cool. I'm starting to get menaced by these, by, by some stormtroopers coming my way. I'm going to ask Steven if I can close the door and then run across to, to some more cover with my friends. By the time my turn comes around, I'm either so flustered or focused or distracted or all three that I just decide to run right across the opening. And of course I get downed by like four different shots, two of which were crits. 
Um, all stun damage, so we're good, though. But yeah, and the, the combat continues. We're doing pretty good. I feel like we could have held him off if I didn't decided to just... Just get fucking uh, murked. Yeah, just completely murked. Uh, you go down, too, eventually, Sam, and we get rounded up into a prison convoy. The party later circles back, breaks us out, and which was a really fun, like, Canyon Gorge situation. Let's not spoil it for anyone who wants to run the adventure. Well, okay, all right, okay, all right. Well, so we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned. We might be going into a little bit more details to our character builds later in the episode. They were quite interesting, I think, and played off each other in a, in a nice way. I'm glad that you just got like one shot, Steven, because that really just humanizes you as a because because to the listener, you're this uh, like ambivalent, all knowing being of, of being a game master. And, you know, you've traveled the galaxy and back, but then you walk across an open doorway and get fucking gunned down in cold blood. It was very humbling uh, as a, as, <laughs> as a, I, I don't really prescribe to the term forever GM um, because I'm not. But um, yeah, when it comes to Swissy, I'm usually the one behind the, the GM screen and, and to be a, a new bass player who ran right in front of a like like 10 stormtroopers uh, is fantastic. It was good stuff. I'm not going to lie, Stephen. I think I spent more of that one shot being unable to do something. No, you than did being able to do something. You absolutely did. <laughs> I went down twice and then like one of the encounters I had was unarmed and bindercraft. So it was very much yeah. like. Okay, (laughs) a good point. You went down twice and you went down in two of the three encounters and then you were pretty much just bound for for the other one. Huh? Uh, I had a great time, though. It was super fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Stephen, that brings us to today's topic. I want to talk about running a one shot. I think we've talked about this in the past. Probably. But I want to talk about it both from the DM's perspective and from the player's perspective. That's good. That, this, this I'm not just fun. running a one shot, but running like a module specifically. Yeah, I've got running a module as a one shot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely yeah. think yeah, it's uh, playing with, you know, being having a rare opportunity to play as a player in Swissy definitely gave me some thoughts uh, on this topic. So I. Oh, you're also running a module for a zero distance game. I am. I am. Yeah, we're, we're currently in the middle of Starfall, which uh, has been going great. And I bet we could um, we, we could share some more about that as as it becomes relevant. Uh, that that was the other half of our Swissy weekend, by the way. We we never said <laughs> what the other Swissy thing we did was. But yeah, it was a regular campaign. You probably could have guessed that, dear listener. The Saga Edition double feature. <laughs> Steven. Yes. We all know that being a game master, especially in this system, is just spinning plates on fucking sticks yes. and hoping you don't drop them all at once. How much of the plate spinning is improv versus running the module, I guess, is a good question. Yeah, so not to give you a non-answer, but it's going to depend, of course. <laughs> in terms of improv, Swissy modules in particular leave a lot of blank space when it comes to like the little stuff, NPC interactions and like overall setting, like some modules don't even take place on a named planet. It just says, "Oh, this is a place with these features." Those are things that you have to improvise. Uh, those are also the things I, I would say if you're running a one shot or running a module as a one shot, you don't really want to focus on too well. You you felt this when we were playing with Little Literalist. A Swissy module is by and large a miniatures scenario. Most of these are heavily geared towards combat and you absolutely do not have to do that for your Swissy one shot. But most of the modules out there that are designed for one shots are going to be combat heavy. And I speaking from experience, most players are going to anticipate a heavy combat 
one shot overall. I'd like to make a point, though. A lot of the game for a lot of its lifetime was also combat heavy. Like we didn't get skill challenges to what galaxy of entry. That's correct. It's one of those things where in retrospect, we're like, wow, this game is so diverse and in the different pillars of play and all that cool shit. You know, I'm using buzzwords now. You can tell I'm interested in the conversation. Uh, (laughs) But definitely, I, I don't know the release order of the book specifically. I didn't, you know, I didn't, live it sadly i wish i did you know that would have been cool <laughs> not to say that i'm younger than the socket <laughs> i'm 12 years old steven <laughs> yeah sam we just we that that barney themed cake you had for your ninth birthday party the other week was was, oh, so, it was great. so fun it was so fun but no the point i'm making is that i can understand how it took a long time for this game to kind of reach its point that it's at now yeah absolutely and, and like you said you know but let's not forget it was a co-marketing product alongside a miniatures game like <laughs> oh yeah that's a big yeah. point too <laughs> it was it was published alongside a miniatures like combat game that it was meant to be fully like interplayable with and yeah and as a result you know a lot of the modules um are geared towards that style of play and that's that's kind of the thing that you're going to have done for you with these one shot modules and and anything else really anything outside you would expect of a miniatures combat scenario is going to be you Bring you bring it to the table. There's obviously exceptions. You could run any Dawn Defiance module as a one shot easily, and those are much more fleshed out with like characters and motivations and setting and all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, most of the ones, especially in the backs of the books, are are combat focused, combat heavy. They're more like just a string of encounters tied together, being called a module. You know, absolutely. And like when we were playing, you know, that one shot this weekend, I, I didn't really know what the story was until we were like a quarter of the way through the final encounter. I was like, oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, yeah, no, it all makes sense now. You know, it's... Um, and that's definitely at no fault of Lil Literalist. Oh, it's of course not. Of course not. Of the writing provided to the the module. Yes. Like the one we talked about last week, the uh, Trouble on Dathomir or whatever, or the Dark Moon or the Dark Planet, Dark Planet oh, of Dathomir. Yes, yeah. Is that what it was? <laughs> Did uh, I get it? The Dark World of Dathomir. <laughs> Fuck! Dark World of Dathomir. You know, the story for that, I didn't even get at the end. Dog, there was, was like, not a story. There's like in a, that. there's a weird lady in crystal or something. And I don't know, whatever. It's fun. It's great. Yeah. And even that, that was a good example. Even though it's fan made, that was three encounters tied together with a loose story. Sometimes a family is three encounters <laughs> tied together with a loose story. It's true. Another important consideration when running a module for one shot is is timing is just time like you you can't have that shit run for for six, seven, eight hours. You could, but no one hardly anyone wants that. And a great way to adjust the time that you're going to be using is adjusting difficulty on the fly, something that you probably would already do running any sort of role playing game, whether you know you're doing it or not. Exactly. But it's especially important, I think, in in modules, especially in in one shot modules, because as we've shown and demonstrated here on the show many times, a lot of these are not particularly well balanced or at least not thoughtfully balanced. So it's up to you, the game runner, the game master, to make these adjustments so that they fit in the allotted time, usually three to no more than five hours and are actually fun to play. Too easy. Use up. Too little time, people aren't satisfied. Too hard, the sun's going down on something that you thought was only going to be a few hours. Here's a here's a easy way to hard cut end a one shot. Mm-hmm. 
Death Star shows up. <laughs> you, you pull a full Rogue One on their ass. They're dead now. I've done it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You have done it. And all the classics <laughs> apply, of course. I mean, maybe you have the HP of all the enemies. You don't have to tell anyone that. And by God, you, you really shouldn't. Enemies retreat. Hardly anyone fights to the death in real life. Maybe once <laughs> enough enemies, enough mooks have been chowed through by the party, maybe the rest of the evil guys pull out and that's the end of that. And you call it maybe there. reinforcements arrive. Exactly. And then it's an overwhelming win for the Republic. Yay. Precisely around the survivors, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the GM wrapping up that one shot. Of, oh God. How, how much longer are we going to be tied to these fucking pillars? <laughs> Another thing that's, and Swissy has baked in a lot of things to help you with this as well, just to make game running as smooth and as, as brisk and, and as fun as possible. Things like squads, fighter groups, uh, swarms, these are all effectively the same thing. Uh, just to save you a lot of math and to save you a lot of time, uh, you really want that initiative tracker to be nice and brief. I never like to have more than like the players and then like maybe three enemies on there if I'm doing initiative by group. But more and more these days, I'm doing like whole imperial initiative or whole team initiative where I just have every enemy on the same initiative run. If I have a boss... That boss usually gets his own initiative count and then his mooks do as well. That's that's how I like to do it. And depending on the party, like there isn't a lot of acting out of turn that happens for the average soldier or noble. But like if it's all Jedi, then absolutely shoot at them separately. Let them all let them all fucking deflect and block and shit like that's awesome. They, they enjoy having that time because that's the player's enjoyment. It's one of those things where um you're there for the play. You're all there to have a good time. So let the players Take up more of that time if they're having fun with it and if you're enjoying it as a GM, including in combat. I don't care that you're like, oh, but I just painted this ATST last week. I need everyone to see it. <laughs> if I nat 20 that shit, it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's actually a perfect segue into the, the next point I wanted to make, Sam. A good one shot is like short, sweet and potent, almost to like pulpy degrees. Like you got to fit a whole, you don't got to, but consider fitting in a whole campaign's worth of excitement, twists and turns into three and a half hours. Like shit should just be exploding constantly. This is how I yeah. do it. At least I, I really want one shots when I run them to be completely over the top. There's no point in grounding anything. There's no point in having these peaks and valleys of excitement because you got um, them for Steven. one session. <laughs> Um, Steven, uh, th this one shot takes place uh, three years after the Naboo exchange uh, collapses. So there's no way Jar Jar would be able to own a house. Um, they'd all be they're all turned into uh, Airbnb water BNBs. Sorry. Are you leaking my star module Jar Jar's Haunted Mansion adventure? Jar Jar's, Jar Jar's Haunted Mansion adventure for the N64. My seven and a half hour one shot that is a line for line reenactment of Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube with Jar Jar inserted as the quest giving NPC. Featuring insert songs from the hit musical Hamilton performed by Ahmed Best himself. Yeah, I literally you have no idea how how much money I had to pay off. There was rehearsals. There's a whole dance number at the four hour mark. 
I can't. I don't know. Thank God, I don't know enough about Hamilton to do like a, a Jar Jar sings Hamilton bit right now. Oh, I could, and I'm not going to to protect my sanity and reputation, and your copyright, and my copyright mostly, mostly yeah. the copyright. But yes, a good one shot is short. It's sweet. It's potent. There's no need to pause for anything. There's no reason to drag anything out. I, I unless you have a really good reason for doing something like that, please email me. <laughs> And tell yeah, me. ask permission first. Yeah, or or like shoot me a Discord DM because it, it, everyone showing up to the one shot is hoping for some high octane, brief, relatively, but great fun. Steven, I have a point I want to make about player led one shots versus event led one shots. Yeah. And I know what you're thinking. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I, I didn't quite. Just, when I read this, I was like, I don't quite understand what they mean. But I, uh, I went to Gary Gygax's school of Oxford and hard knocks and I, they didn't you teach hate me women. This. They didn't. <laughs> yes. And they didn't teach me any of this in school there. And I know what you're thinking, listener. Player led. Let's say like, oh, I've got a a short one paragraph backstory about. I'm looking for leads on my long lost sister or something, or I'm trying to find the guy who killed my father, or I have to pay off a bounty hunter, you know, all that cool stuff versus being like, oh, because we've all seen the D&D one shot where it's like you wake up in a prison cell and like, that's cool and all, but it's very much event. It's event led, you know, the players want to break out because they're in a prison cell and they want to break out. That's more for, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, 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 it finally clicked and I like, I want to, I guess I'll compliment little literalist again. I like that we started the whole campaign pretty much predicated on you guys are locals on this agricultural world. You are opposed to the empire. That's why you're at the opposed the empire seminar uh, seminar. (laughs) I I was trying to say Grange (laughs) hall, like, (laughs) yeah, the Akbar Ted talk. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know what you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> but wait. Let's break that down. Yeah. T stands for trap. <laughs> oh man. My four bullet point structure. <laughs> Fuck me, that's funny. Oh man. Sorry, I didn't mean to just completely throw off no, your train of thought. With no, that. that was great. It's it's like the third time this episode. We're only 20 minutes in. Um I and I, I do think you're right. I think that you're you're in prison, Lel is a little old. I think it's, it should probably go the way of the tavern if you ask me. Yeah. But all in all, I, I think a lot of the Swissy one shot modules are event led. I think it's like, there's a thing happening. You're nearby. Like, come on. That's, that is interesting. That's a fair point, but there's also possibly something like what you're running right now, where you've converted this module into more of a, oh wait, we did wake up in a prison in that one, didn't we? <laughs> yes, you did. You did wake up in a prison in that one. Though you did have a strict motivation going in. You were yeah. intentionally captured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and I, it, you said the word, you said the C word, you said convert. Uh, Starfall was not converted to Swissy by me. I want to make that very clear. It was the, the talented I work. I meant converted for our story. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the talented work of someone else. Uh, well, I'll credit him properly once I uh, finish the module and have my final impressions. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could write a whole one shot on the premise of th- your player's precious MacGuffin. The Empire has it now yes. or the Huts have it now. There you go. And then is that really uh, is that that could be 
event led technically, but it's definitely more of a you're 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 trying to appeal to your players personal characters at that point like oh why do you care about this thing or like you know i also think that having like an, a big event to respond to is just also saves a lot of time <laughs> because Absolutely. if the players are taking the reins on where the story's going that's that's great for a long campaign that's what long campaign that's my favorite way to do it is just see you know give the players the toy box see where they go and what they do when you have weekly sessions for months on end that makes perfect sense when you have three hours it's better to just start with something strong and just see what they they do as in response, as a reaction, as opposed to letting them debate. And I mean, you, you, you you've seen tables, you know how it is when players try and sit down and make a plan. It can, that shit can get endlessly complicated for no reason, really. It, it must be some human nature quirk where if you put five people in front of a problem, they're going to debate and and adjust every <laughs> single aspect of their approach to that problem for hours. I've blown through like 45 minutes of table time as a, you know, as a newer GM, cause I was like, Oh, I'll make their plan. But like, there's no, it just gets so minute and so silly after a while. And, and I've seen this in many, many tables that it's better to just kind of bulldoze them through with something and just see where the chunks fall. But wait, Steven, what? Sometimes you've seen us do something like that. And it's just like, it's incredible. It's like watching a beautiful mind just fucking go at it. It's true. It's you know? true. And and also when the players have fun doing that, that's the important part, right? Yes. And here's an old Dark Times adage I'm going to throw at you again. Okay. The only thing you should plan on your players doing is nothing. Yes, absolutely. That's one and of our that, favorite things. And I think that can apply to one shots in this case also. That's a good point. You'll figure it out. I know you can, listener. You have the tools. I've given you the tools. You can do it. I just. Okay. Oh, well, you know, well, we got to get the MacGuffin back from the hut. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know. Let's let's look around and plan. And maybe I can find one of my old uh, contacts. And it's like, oh, you're rolling up all less than 10. It happens. I've been there. Then, oh, the there's a drunk in the alley and he's the right hand man to the major domo or whatever. Or he gets the major domo's coffee for him or something funny like that, you know. You can figure it out. It's not going to be as clean cut as the modules written, which is another. If you fucking take anything home from this episode is that take home the fact that look at the module you're going to run. It's not going to go down that way. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. You're going to have to just something on the fly. Guaranteed. And when in doubt, TIE fighters. Oh. Yeah, just just hit their asses. If you don't like how long they're taking TIE fighters. I love that. I love that. Um. You should also make this is good advice I received, I think, from Little Literalist about just like overall just combatants, like making a good boss is it is very tempting to make the boss with the strongest attack bonus and the strongest defense possible. And yeah, that, that that's all well and good. That That's that's a great way of going about it. But instead, when you make a NPC adversary unique or stand out, if you give them a really tricky build that just does something fucking crazy. I have a great example of this, actually. Starfall on the I believe it's the third encounter. Yeah. Third encounter of the second chapter or or Starfall calls them episodes right before the end. The party is in a room that's meant to be they they get flashbanged and then smoke nated right at the start of the encounter. It's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) When I read that, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, sure. I'll I'll do that. Oh, flashbang be upon thee. (laughs) Exactly. And then. 10 stormtroopers rush in. 
And then after the party kills like four of them, they all rush out like some sort of clown car situation. <laughs> I can just hear like the, the fucking Scooby-Doo. Yeah, no, literally. And I was like, I was sitting down prepping for my session and I was like, this encounter kind of sucks. I'm sure in 1988, this was amazing. And I'm sure there wasn't many other stat blocks to work with besides your standard stormtrooper. But we're in 2023. We've got a little we're in the future now. We've got a little thing called DMF's guide. So I, I reached my hand into that bag and I was like, this is a concealment encounter for six rounds. The whole battlefield is covered with smoke. How do we make it distinct? How do we make it memorable? I've never they put- stealth now. <laughs> exactly. I put my party up against five shadow troopers and imperial officer just for that good synergy. And that shadow trooper build shadow stormtrooper, maybe I think shadow trooper and shadow stormtrooper are distinct things, but it's in DMFs. So you can find it. Really great kind of CL4 medium, like mid low threat stealth build with ghost assailant. So I just stacked a bunch of aids. I would trigger ghost assailant on one of them. The They do opposed checks, stealth versus the target's perception. I'd knock down my players with flat footed conditions nonstop and then blast them with like a quadruple aided shot and then throw in some extra standard actions from the officer's trust to rattle off a grenade or just another like extra fuck you attack. It was amazing. It felt so, so, so fun. And it would have, it was so much more fun than 10 stormtroopers and they run away when four die. <laughs> uh, I checked that is from DMFs, by the way. A great yes. memory, Steven. And it is the shadow stormtrooper, gotcha. not the shadow trooper. <laughs> yes. I, I, I thought those were distinct things and they, they are, which is good. Yeah. So then th- that, that kind of ties into the, another old adage we say about how, you know, dream blunt rotation is a heavy stormtrooper with an E-web, three stormtroopers and an Imperial officer. I was kind of thinking of that. <laughs> As I built this encounter out. I thought you were going to say the Nietzsche, DMF, Rodney Thompson, and Owen Casey Stevens. Actually, I did use Nietzsche's for that encounter for you guys. Um, Heck yeah. It was, that was an easy encounter because you guys were, um, were, were, you guys are in bad shape. Oh, do you see that skittering across the screen, Steven? What? Oh God. What? It's a, it's a footnote. Okay. <laughs> it says something tattooed to its back in, in uh, Cyrillic. Um, what? Not Cyrillic. What's it called? Or a best. <laughs> like, so, like, like real ass Cyrillic. Damn, I can't read no, that. No, Go. Star Wars Cyrillic. Yeah. Uh, it says, check out the Dark Times episode. Get to know the niche for more information <laughs> of this subject. Oh, well, that's convenient. Ow, it bit me. <laughs> oh, fuck. Steve, we better hurry. <laughs> oh, I don't, <laughs> we don't, I don't have much I, longer. I don't feel very good, Sam. I'm like, ah, he's gone like purple a little bit. His throat. Here, I've got some, I got some, ding, ding. <gasps> oh, uh, Sam, I, I wish I could say that was the first time you saved me from anaphylaxis. I just Pulp Fictioned your ass, baby. Oh, yeah. That's a good, I cannot, like, I have to turn away from that part of the movie. It's so funny. Yeah, it's horrifying to look it, at. It really is. Watching Uma Thurman's fucking sternum get pierced. Oh, man. Good stuff. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. That's a good example, I think, of just little tweaks you can do. Uh, and I think the modules in general are pretty good at offering something interesting. But if you see an encounter that is three guys with a stick and three guys with a gun, see what see if you can uh, check your resources, see if you can make that just a little more memorable. It doesn't have to be the most powerful build the party's ever seen, and it probably won't be. But just a combination of actions that they take. And by God, please be sure to describe them to your players. They want to hear it. Just to make that stick in your mind. Sam would not have remembered that encounter if it was 10 stormtroopers in a smoky room. (laughs) 
I don't know where they are. <laughs> They're gone now. They're gone. <laughs> Steven, when you wrote down on the notes here, make NPC actions and abilities distinct slash memorable. I yeah. didn't realize you meant in combat. Yes. My brain was thinking, my brain was thinking this, you know, what's just as memorable as the long form betrayal by beloved NPC. What? The short form betrayal by a beloved NPC. No, you're completely right, Sam. And, and yeah, I, I was thinking of combat when I wrote that down, but it's it's true. It kind of ties in back to like making it pulpy, making it potent. This story is, is you know, make like have it a complete about face for, for an NPC. Nerf Rancher's daughter has it. Yes. The yes. guy that you're supposed to be working with and delivering or buying steaks from literally just like <laughs> the party has no other hope except to get into his mansion and, and like, you know, wait out the, the, the skeckfish infestation. <laughs> and he's like, nope, sorry, fuck you. And starts shooting at the party. It's so funny. <laughs> I just love the idea of you got like a, oh, protocol droid asking for help, trying to rescue his, uh, his uh, master or whatever. End of the end of the fucking one shot, the droid shoots the master and then summons like his fucking droidica mooks to try and take you out. Like, that's a great. Oh, my God. Who's the droid in Dawn of Defiance? That's like got to be his origin switch. story. That's switch switches origin story. <laughs> I love switch. Me too. Wasn't he like an all black protocol droid? I think so. I think he might have been. I don't know if he has like a. a I feel like he might have been silver. He, I don't think he has art, but he's definitely described in Dawn of Defiance. Ebony plating, it says on the wall. Okay, he was black then. I, mean, I always thought of him as like a matte black, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. A, a sudden about face, no matter how pulpy it is, will always be fun. I was like genuinely upset when we were betrayed in, in Little Literalist one shot. I was like, I was that like, happened like first encounter. Yeah, it was like the first five <laughs> minutes. And I was like, God damn. Okay. <laughs> I thought this guy was cool. And then, you know, this is another change he made on the fly that I was really fucking sick. He threw him in at the end of the third encounter. So we could get our revenge on his ass. So we could get <laughs> some sweet revenge. Yeah, that was so good. Another thing that was good from that, that game. And I think this is a lot of, this is something that I think a lot of GMs are too proud to do. Okay. We were already like an hour over that any of us wanted to be there. We were winning the third encounter. Like we had pretty, it was just like a few more moves to mop We outnumbered up. stormtroopers at this point. Like yeah. that's how good it was. And Steven was like, you know what guys? We're already running a little late. It looks like you've won. Do you want to call it here? And we can just like talk through maybe what happens next over the course of the next week. And, and I was like, wow. So honest. So real. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I've had moments like that, too. Yeah, I felt like my time was respected and, and there was no pressure to like, no, we got to. I've, I've been at the table with people who were like, oh, we, no, we got to finish the module. We got to push through. We got to do this right here. It's, it's in the book. You know, no, we have I to. need to roll. I need to roll five, three more times yeah. and then roll 15, 12 more times in order for this night to be over. Exactly. Exactly. And it was <laughs> it was good. It was a good move. And, that, and that's kind of part of keeping it succinct, potent, all that shit is just, you know, trim the fat, just cut right through it. There's no reason to do anything that isn't fun when you're playing a game. And that's part of fostering a, a good wussy community. I feel like as well. Yes. Knowing when to be like, you guys have had your fun. It's time to put the toys back to the toy box, mm -hmm. go get something to eat, get some water, you know, all that cool stuff. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. Another funny thing about that. And uh, well, I guess I'm going to save this for a little bit longer in the show, but we all kind of played the same character, like personality wise. <laughs> this was the, at the end of the one shot, it was like five rednecks start an armed revolution. <laughs> 
and, and that was honestly so cool. It was such a great, great feeling. Are you intrigued, listener? Well, you'll get to hear more about these rednecks after the break. Steven! It's time for the break. Time for the break. Time for the break. Time for the break. Uh, a very big welcome to our newest patron, Chell Walker. We're so happy to have you. Your uh, endless attention and scrupulous detail to the Swissy Wiki is probably 85% of the reason that I'm here doing this podcast, that the community is where it is today. So, Chell Walker, thank you for your patronage and thank you for everything you do for everyone out there who loves Swissy. I sure as hell fucking know I wouldn't be playing this game if you were like, yeah, you got to pour through five different PDFs that aren't searchable. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, no, sorry. Uh, let's let's play something else instead. <laughs> this game wouldn't be half as playable as it is without without her hard work. So and everyone else who contributes to the wiki, of course. But she edits it. <laughs> yeah, she does the job. No one else wants to do. Thankless. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Jell is on our our Patreon now. Sam, do you do you know do you know what that entails? Do you know what she has? Oh she my has gosh, access to? Well, depending on the tier, if it's the five dollar tier, you get access to all our exclusive content on the Patreon, as well. If you stay on for three months, you get a exclusive Dark Time sticker. For the ten dollar tier, you get all those same little bits and bobs that we talked about on the behind the scenes on the Patreon, and you also get if you stay on for three months, like Brewery Guy. Imagine this wearing the same shirt as Brewery Guy. The Dark Times official T-shirt. Come on. As well as an exclusive Dark Times uh, sticker. Absolutely. Also, uh, as we've said, uh, we kept it on the DL for a little bit these past couple of weeks, but I just wanted to remind everyone, uh, Owen Casey Stevens is a RPG legend. If you've played any D20 RPG in the past 20, 25 years, you have likely played something that he had his hands in. He's the, currently the lead designer of Starfinder and has chops that go all the way back through D&D, including Swissy, Pathfinder, all your favorites. Uh, he's facing some pretty hefty medical bills and has asked the community for his support. There will be a link in the description. You can uh, buy his preferred method of support. That is a uh, $35 game bundle, one of two $35 game PDF bundles that is valued at just about $700 each. In addition, the Dark Times is contributing all Patreon revenue for the month of May straight to Owen. Uh, we've been in touch with him. It's all kosher. There's going to be screenshots on the Patreon when it all goes down. You'll be able to see and fully audit where that money went and how. Um, this is just something we do because we love Owen. We know the work he's done for all of us. And we want to make sure that he sticks around quite a bit longer and, and to make sure that he isn't saddled with an unfair and unjust amount of medical debt. Yeah, and don't be humble, Stephen. You're also matching all those Patreon dollars as well. You're right. You're right. That that was not humility. That was stupidity. Um, I, I forgot to mention. I will also get that be, tattooed on your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will be matching dollar for dollar um, every contribution that that hits our our Patreon. So if if that sounds good to you, if you maybe can't shell out the thirty five dollars for the bundle, maybe you want to do something a little smaller. I will match it if you bring it to our Patreon. If you bring it, he will match it. Yes. Uh, a quick announcement here, too. So many of you are probably aware of the website SagaWorkshop.net. This was a really, really cool website that was basically going to be like, think like a web-based character generator and character sheet for Swissy. It kind of popped up out of nowhere, like just over a year ago, uh, made by a guy named Dash2 or, or Dash Toe. Um, he's currently looking, he's open sourced it now, so anyone can go on there and contribute. 
Uh, he's looking for people with experience with Firebase and JavaScript development. He's also looking for, so he's looking for contributors as well as a, a kind of a project lead to help merge pull requests and answer issue things on GitHub. Um, if that's you, I strongly encourage you to go check out the post on the subreddit. You can still find it quite easily just by doing a little bit of scrolling. Maybe we'll link the GitHub too. Just, We're going to link just, it too, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll link the GitHub and maybe the Reddit post as well. Uh, so you can read up dash two or dash toe no longer has the resources to work on it uh, himself, but he's looking for people out there. So I just wanted to kind of signal boost this. Uh, this has the potential to be a massive tool for Swissy that could make character creation the easiest and most accessible it's it's ever been in Swissy's history. Finally, a bigger tool for this system than you. <laughs> Holy shit. That was really funny. Oh, my God. I'm not even mad. That was straight up clever. Wow. Sam, well done. I feel like I this should. This is why they pay me the podcast bucks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way to go, man. Yeah, you heard it here first. A bigger tool for Swissy than Zena Sloth. Sagaworkshop.net. Check the GitHub link in the description below. Uh, they need your help. If you can code Firebase, JavaScript, uh, get on over there. I can't. Um, so I'm doing what I can here. <laughs> He's too busy sitting on his fucking mountain of podcast dollars over here. <laughs> God. <laughs> let's send you guys back to the show so for the one shot i made the poorly uh, i made the, the the bad choice of playing a noble <laughs> how dare you what could a fucking noble even offer me in this fucking day and age i wanted to be like the nice guy like just a, just a real friendly like let's play some swissy guys and build a really cooperative like buffer character so that's what i did um, yeah, and then you made him drunk, and then I made him a then I made him a, a, a rancorous drunkard because that's like one of the three personalities I can role play reliably. Role play, <laughs> Stephen, stop blue balling us. What's his name? All right, his name is Matthias Balk Balkum. That's that's there's air quotes in the middle there. Balk is his nickname. He's a human, uh, CL six, noble level five, soldier level one. Uh, so as a noble, I, I really wanted to be able to buff, really. I wanted to be useful in such a way that it enabled other builds to to really realize and, and achieve their full potential in the battlefield. Um, I knew straight out the gate that I was probably not going to worry too much about actually hitting enemies and handing out uh, uh, aid actions as well as I could. Uh, and I, I think I succeeded. Sam, I don't think I really talked about it with you. I was very satisfied with this build. It was great. I liked it a lot. We started out with the basics. I, I knew exactly where to go. I was at the noble store and I knew already knew what aisle I needed to go down. I was at the good at noble building island and everyone there knew you. <laughs> they Wait, said you're the you. coolest dude to ever show up. <laughs> this was the first noble I've played. Yeah. Nope. No. Wasn't uh, your Nagai a noble scoundrel? Yes. Yes. Uh, um, Keech? No. He's named after a fruit, but I didn't know that when I named him. Uh, oh, man. I'm going to be sad about it because I can't remember his name. Screeth and Kitch. Nope. No, Kitch is an that's other a guy. I might have the stat block right here. Give me a sec. Calf? Kev? Kev? <laughs> Kevin? Kevin? Was it Keith? Was his, no, was his name just was Keith? Was it Keith? Quince! Quince! Like the fruit. His name was Ka Den at first, but that, that became his surname, I think. Um, yeah, like the fruit. Uh, yeah, uh, Quince, I believe. Actually, we can just find out exactly how much of a noble scoundrel he was. Noble five scoundrel, too. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. 
Okay, so not my first noble, but probably. I don't know. I was like building him. I was like, oh, this is going to be a shitty noble. This is going to be a very combat tweaked noble, but ended up being quite nobly. So anyway, yes, as I was saying, I was at the building a noble store, no, noble depot, home noble. And I um, give me a better name for that, Jarvis. Noble freight. Oh, yeah. I was at noble freight. Uh, I went straight to the leadership talent tree aisle. Born leader. Everyone knows born leader. This is this is the noble talent. Like, I don't care who you are. This is the noble talent. Once per encounter is a swift action. Grant all allies within your line of sight. Plus one insight bonus on attack rolls. It lasts as long as they remain within line of sight of you. Luckily, we were outdoors for like the whole. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of full cover on, yeah. the, on these combats. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have trouble with breaking line of sight. But of course, there's a talent. I think it's called. Ooh, why did I open my mouth? Lasting influence? No, of course not. Um, there's a talent that, that keeps this bonus up if you break line of sight. Is it distant command? Distant command, that's the one. Yeah. And then this was, uh, and then uh, later on, you know, I was, I was going down the aisles. I was like, oh, I, I, instead of, I was at my nine to five, right? Instead of working, I was building a Swissy character, the, the dream. <laughs> and I was going down the trees. I was like, ah, no, not this, not that. I was still deciding what proportion of, of soldier levels I wanted. I was like, no, no, not commando, not uh uh, God forbid, not battle analysis. <laughs> yeah, no, no fucking battle analysis. No disgrace talent tree. No, no. God forbid, armor specialist talent tree. None of that. And then I was like, oh, you know, I don't think I've been down the anticipation talent tree aisle. Let me cruise on down here, and I saw forewarn allies. All allies within twelve squares of you gain a plus two insight bonus on attack rolls and damage rolls for attacks of opportunity. I was like, oh, hey. That sounds cool. Everyone makes attacks of opportunity, pretty much. I mean, anyone who's not a fool is going to be trying to make attacks of opportunity. I'll, I'll take that. And then I, I, I scrolled a little further down, and I saw heavy fire zone. Are you aware? Were you aware of this talent before the one shot? I was in? not. I was not. This is my. This was a first for me as well. Maybe they. Maybe Rodney added this in like just a few weeks ago because I swear <laughs> yeah, I never heard of this. I, I really like it. It makes me wish someone took it in zero distance, too, because it would be so badass. Once per turn, as a swift action, designate a three by three square area within your line of sight. Until the end of your next turn, if a target moves into that area, you can enable one ally within your line of sight to make an attack of opportunity against that target. The ally you choose must be armed with a weapon capable of making attacks of opportunity, and this counts towards the ally's normal limitations for AOO made in the round. That's like, you know, most people have one. If you got combat reflexes, you got more, obviously. and. I triggered this so much. Oh, yeah, it's great. Little Littlest was being a good GM and, you know, coasting stormtroopers into it at every opportunity he could because he knew it would make me pog the fuck up. And it, it did. And I was pogging nonstop every time he was like, oh, here come the troopers. Uh Oh, look, Zenith, there's one in your square. <laughs> <laughs> um it was so and you cool. were like and you were like go 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 <laughs> and in the first encounter it triggered in triplicate and i was like okay you sam you take that guy and you american psycho you're shooting at that guy and you tisdas shoot i was like oh my god i'm a fucking noble i'm i'm, I'm literally <laughs> officering so hard right now it was so so cool <laughs> And then to keep things, you know, classic to just, you know, keep, keep it up. I, I got rapport as well. When using the aid and other action, you grant a plus two insight bonus on skill checks and attack rolls, the character you're assisting. I love rapport. Really, really, really great incentive to aid others. Um, that brings your aid and other up to like plus four though. 
Yes, yes. Because it stacks with the original. That's two. correct. Crazy. But yeah, you're right. That brings my aid to a plus four. And then I also got, um, I also picked up coordinated attack. So fully automatic, no roll required in point blank range, plus four to my allies attacks. Pair that with the born leader and the forewarn allies. That's a net plus seven to someone's e- attack of opportunity. And I got it off too, Sam. Rad. There was a plus seven bonus. I, I seem to remember plus eight, but now the math isn't adding up, but it definitely made sense in the, at the time. <laughs> But (laughs) maybe they're being aided by someone else. I'm not sure. But yeah, I was there was times where I was dishing out like plus seven to attack plus two to damage on attacks of opportunity. When I if I timed my aids and and positioning right, it felt so good. I never had that much fun. Probably the most fun I've had in any Swissy build. Again, I've been a player in Swissy probably count on one hand how many times. But it just felt so good to aid so frequently and so easily. And heavy fire zone just made it a blast to just place my square every turn and try to anticipate the enemy's movements and react to my other players positioning. It was it was a great time overall. This build was was lots of fun. But, you know, a bulk is more than the sum of his parts, Stephen. He's also he was also pretty kitted out, I recall. It's true. It's true. Um, Little Literalist had a slightly different approach to credits that I actually liked a lot. He just gave everyone a base amount of credits, and then you got additional credits for each level in Noble. And so I had a lot of money. I had like 8,000, 9,000 credits to spend, and I only, even even like really splurging, I only spent about half that. But I He vis- put the rest into the, the stock market, and then- Yes, and it made you, out- You won't see it this one shot, but next one shot he plays, he'll just be on top. Yeah, know? the dividends will be unreal. <laughs> My portfolio- um, Let's not forget, he is a Noble 5, but he's also a Soldier 1. And of course, I picked up that multi-class. The one being the one bullet it takes for him to take you out. (laughs) (laughs) And naturally, I uh, uh, picked up the rifle proficiency as a multi-class feat. And I was looking at rifles. We were restricted to uh, restricted weapons and below. And I was like, look at that Briar rifle. Interesting. I didn't want no regular-ass blaster rifle. I want something a little more, uh, gave me a little more options. If, if. Bulk is one thing, and Sam can speak to this. This is a very flexible build. This is a well-rounded build. I didn't have a particular niche that I was going into, but I wanted to be good at buffing, and I wanted to be able to hold my own a little bit, maybe better than He's your average seasoned. noble. He's a seasoned man. He's a seasoned guy. The Briar Rifle is really cool. I was in a bit of a Jedi Academy, Jedi Outcast mood, and so I looked it up, and it was even cooler than I remembered. A Briar Rifle is a large blaster rifle with a heftier firing chamber than on standard designs. Heavy and less accurate than most rifles, the Briar Rifle makes up for its shortcomings by being able to charge up an overpowered blaster shot, allowing it to hit with much more power than typical weapons its size. As a swift action, you can prime your Briar Rifle for a built-up shot. If you make no attacks with the Briar Rifle before the start of your next turn, the next attack you make before the end of the encounter deals one extra die of damage and consumes five charges. You may not use any ability that consumes more than one shot, such as auto fire or rapid shot, in conjunction with a prime shot. Steven, it's like half burst fire, but as, but just fucking base. Half burst fire built in, no need for a feat. And I knew that my action economy would be clogged up with all sorts of aids and moving and drawing and placing heavy blast fire squares. I knew that as the party noble, I wouldn't be attacking every turn. And with a BAB of like plus four, I should not be attacking every turn. (laughs) Yeah. So... I saw something that would allow me to delay my attacks for only a swift action and for a whole extra die of damage. And it just made sense. I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. I can focus on buffing. And if I have the time, build up a stronger attack on the side. 
uh, sticking with the theme of flexibility, I also threw on a rapid recycler, which um, uh, allowed me to switch to auto fire mode if I wanted to. Obviously not compatible with the charge shot ability, but I thought maybe if we face something that I couldn't really hit as a weak little noble, maybe the half damage from auto fire would allow me to eke by. And I also just wanted to stay flexible. Speaking of staying flexible, you throw on the retractable stock on that baby. Absolutely. And you know I kept that shit folded. You know I kept that motherfucking thing folded. <laughs> takes rifle proficiency upon multi-class buys retractable stock keeps folded rifles pistol proficiency my feel when (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about you steven i don't know about your character it's about my character all right all right this is what every DD fifth edition player is like (laughs) (laughs) oh dude you built a hexblade sorcerer fuck can i can i include that flashbang in the final cut (laughs) yes that's great. Okay, awesome. Uh, this is my character. His name's Chafe Two Wide Swinty, and he's a Grand CL Six Soldier Five Scout One. Chafe's whole deal is using auto fire weapons. With the improved suppressed fire talent from the weapon specialist talent tree, he can debuff several enemies. Let me read the talent right here. When you successfully suppress an enemy using the aid another action, that enemy takes a minus five penalty on its attack rolls until the start of your next turn. Also, when targeting an area with an auto fire weapon, each enemy in the area takes a minus two penalty on attack rolls until the start of your next turn, regardless of whether your attack hits. Oh, baby. That doesn't even, I don't even have to do the eight another action for that. It can just be when I attack, yep. which is the coolest part about that. Also, as a grand, once per encounter, Chafe can aim as a single swift action thanks to his innate accuracy species trait. At higher levels, this would be great for a sniper build. This can still be potent at his current level, especially with the Deadeye feat. Deadeye, prerequisites point-blank shot, precise shot, and BAB plus four. If you aim before making a ranged attack and the attack hits, increase the damage you deal by an additional weapon die. 3d6 becomes 4d6, etc. Oh, did I mention that as a grand? Chafe gets the precise shot feat for free as long as he has the point-blank shot feat. Take that skill focus, use the force. (laughs) 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 And thanks to combined fire and mercenaries teamwork, Chafe gets a plus four to damage if a target has been attacked by a single ally since the end of his last turn, but that can be increased by another plus two for each other ally to a maximum of plus 12, including the initial plus two from combined fire. Both of those talents are from the mercenary talent tree. Last but not least, Chafe has the Bantha Herder feat. Now, I took this, Stephen, because I saw that you took the uh, the heavy fire zone talent. So yes, I it yes. Really I was well. rubbing my fingers in anticipation when, when I saw that you took this. When you damage a large or smaller creature with a ranged attack with a weapon you're proficient with, this is damage, not hit, not even like non-area attack. Compare the result of your attack roll to the target's will defense. If your result equals or exceeds the target's will defense, you can move the target one square in any direction as a free action. A classic feat, a, a, a family home favorite. And here's the here's the fucking sprinkles on top, baby. If your range attack deals damage to multiple eligible creatures, you can use this benefit against all of them. You can't move a target that's being grabbed or grappled, and you can't move a target into a solid object or into another creature's fighting space. This had great synergy with Balk's heavy fire zone talent, and in fact, I think I did it on like what three different. Uh, stormtroopers. Yes, yes, you did. You you got it like in the third round of the first encounter. I know that much. My favorite was there was a melee fighter in the heavy fire zone, and yeah. so I moved a character. I moved a stormtrooper into it, and he's like, I just fucking wax him. 
with his weapon. It's great. That was such a great so character. Good. Steven, thanks for bringing thanks for bringing those with uh, with you today. Yeah, thanks for chatting with me, Sam. That was this was a good episode. I'm glad we could reminisce about Saga Edition one shots long gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so long ago. ago. So long ago. Oh, but it was a good weekend though. It was. It was. Do you have any trivia for this week? I do. Uh, the Jawas language in Star Wars: A New Hope is Zulu, electronically sped up. Uh, Greedo's language is Quechua, an indigenous South American language. Actually, his language is Rodian, Stephen. I don't think you've played. <sighs> My bad. Yeah. Sorry. Also, it's called Jawa. It's not called Zulu. I don't know where you <laughs> got that also. And in fact, they only speak Jawa trade language. They actually, the, Jawa is like a smell based language. Also, Darth Vader has exactly 12 minutes of screen time in this movie. I thought you were going to say he has exactly 12 fingers. <laughs> wow. I was like, I feel like I would have, I would have seen that if it was possible. <laughs> Amazing. The Dark Times of Saga Edition podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where you listen to your shows. Tell a friend about the show. Tell us you told a friend about the show. Tell your table about the show and tell us you told them. We'll shout you all out on the show by character name. I will read them fucking out. I will read. I'll be like, I'll be like, Griff, Griff Grobly. You get a plus two to your next attack, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Happy life day. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Utini! <laughs> Which is Jawa for peace be with you. <laughs>